Welcome to Collector's Corner, the premier digital art platform. We help collectors gain and maintain their edge, all while appreciating beautiful art. Let's jump in. Thank you, everybody, for coming and joining this uh, fantastic spaces. I'm especially appreciative of our guests here, who I'll introduce in a second. Uh, just a tiny bit of house cleaning. So my name is P. You may see me up here as at Aston Cloud. I've started Collector's Corner. Uh, we have a newsletter that is at the top of our profile. I wanted to point that out and uh, ask you all to sign up if you're interested. We do weekly newsletters and we're going to start doing some allow lists and giveaways as well as some POAPs through there, uh, which which are really true, just POAPs, not for anything uh, special or whatever, some utility later down the road, uh, but just some fun stuff there. So. I wanted to point that out, especially the allow lists, because that's probably the best place for us to distribute those. So um, go ahead and sign up if you're interested. If not, no worries at all. And regardless, really, really appreciate you being here. And wanted to just give the quick context behind the show. We've all heard about ordinals, especially when they blew up into the scene a little over a month ago. And what really intrigued me was the fact that a lot of really smart folks, like the ones we have up here on stage, who I'll introduce in a second, we're really diving in and continue to dive in. And it seems like this is not just a fad, but there is some real building going on there. And it's interesting to me to learn about what's going on, what's different here, and why we might want to pay attention. And so I have some fantastic guests up here who, again, thank you so much for taking the time. And we're going to kind of just set the stage and say, okay, what's going on ordinals? What should people be paying attention to? I know it's super early days, but how can we keep up with it? And uh, to the extent that there is some really interesting stuff going on, both innovative and, as most of us know, innovative, interesting things often come with price appreciation. So if you're here as an investor, I think it's interesting to hear what's going on so you might be able to take advantage of that. Um, but again, super early days, none of this is financial advice, all of the same caveats that we typically have in the crypto world. So let me go ahead and introduce our speakers. Uh, first up, we have, I'm sorry, I just put up my notes here. So we have Sean Bonner up on stage who, uh, Sean is an artist, he's an author, he's an activist. I'm, I'm looking at his about page. Uh, he says he refers to himself as a mythanthropologist and thropologist, sorry, misanthropologist. But either way, uh, I, Sean came across my radar because he had a fantastic tweet thread on art on ordinals and why it matters and why it's interesting. And so I thought he could bring a really interesting take both as a thinker in the space and as an artist. So wanted to quickly introduce Sean. Uh, second, we have Proper. A lot of you all already know Proper. He's been super active in Grailers DAO, in Art Blocks. He was an Art Blocks community curator. And uh, he is now working with uh, Imagine Art which uh, I believe a shark is here in the crowd who also, well, I believe started Imagine Art, but they are uh, really pushing forward the first digital art platform for Bitcoin inscriptions. And so really interesting stuff, I'm sure, both technologically and from the artistic side. So wanted to have Proper here, and he's just a really smart guy, so I wanted to have him here talking through this as well. 
Uh, third, we have Rodic Zane, Rod Zane, uh, who <laughs> I'm just learning still how to pronounce his username. I guess I guess nobody knows, but Rod Zane is a fantastic generative artist. You may know him from his recent work, Hypnagogic, that came out on Burst that was just beautiful. But he's got a lot of stuff on uh, Tezos and on Ethereum. Uh, but he has, as far as I can tell, the first generative art series on ordinals, which was 10 pieces called Ordinal Chains. So as an OG and as an artist, I wanted to bring him up here. Um, and last but not least, I'm hoping we can figure out the, the issues we're having on Twitter. But we have uh, Powell Dudko, who's uh, currently in the crowd and has worked with a lot of generative artists and getting art onto ordinals and is uh, himself a generative artist. And so hopefully we'll be find find a way to get the Twitter algorithm to work for him. But we'll go ahead and get started regardless. So sorry for the long intro, but I wanted everybody to know who our great guests are. Go ahead and give them a follow, check out what they're doing, support them because they're doing some real cool stuff in the space. And we can go ahead and get started. So Maybe we'll go proper, then Sean, then Red Zane. Uh, what is your current experience and involvement with Ordinal, and why did you decide to get involved? Yeah, I, I mean, as far as why I decided to get involved, I mean, I, I've been friends with Shark for a while now, and I, I think I had the same entrance that a lot of people now are having with Ordinals, where there was a lot of noise. Um, you know, just, you know, derivatives and just everybody trying to be the first, you know, whatever on ordinals. Um, but then was after really diving in, once I connected with Shark about it and kind of saw like, okay, wait, there's actually something here that, you know, for a few different reasons, it makes for a very interesting, I guess, way to release things like generative art. Um, and, you know, to that extent, on-chain art in other formats, so photography, so on and so forth. Um, and yeah, so... We, uh, we, since then, about, that was probably a month and a half, two months ago at this point, um, that, yeah, we've just been working on Imagine and seeing, like, what new areas of ordinals can we, you know, explore and try to be that signal in the noise. And, you know, as I said before, there's quite a lot of noise right now. And um, so, yeah, that's kind of why we went toward the curated path. Um, there are other platforms doing uncurated approaches, which also have, you know, their benefits and whatnot, but we really see curation as our strong suit and yeah. Okay. Fantastic. We'll, we'll dig into a little bit of what you said there uh, after we've had the other folks to uh, give a chance to say what got them interested. So Sean, yeah. What, what got you interested in ordinals and what would you say your current involvement is with ordinals? Sure. So um, I, uh, I got into into crypto, um, you know, more than a decade ago from, uh, you know, through Bitcoin, right? So Bitcoin's always kind of been, you know, this the interesting uh, granddaddy that kind of kicked everything off. Um, I also have a, a, I used to run an art gallery for for many years, so I have a, a very strong art background. And so when um, the NFT thing really started happening in in sort of 2020 on Ethereum. Um, I realized that my my crypto people needed to understand art. My art people needed to understand crypto, and that's kind of really, really when I dove in um, and started playing playing in this world. As you mentioned, I'm an artist myself, so I've been minting my own my own photography for a while. I've been helping other artists, uh, onboarding them, helping them think about how their existing work, uh, you know, fits into blockchain uh, one way or another, so that if they decide to do something, they can do something that's authentic and not just 
copying the thing that somebody else did earlier. Um, and that's sort of been my uh, hesitation a little bit with a lot of the other NFTs on other chains is that they, they've felt that they're just sort of doing the same thing that's happening on Ethereum. So if you're just doing the same thing over again, um, I mean, that's great. And, and there's, you know, some fantastic stuff happening on Tezos and these things, but they're following a lot of the same uh, path and everything. And so it's, uh, it's Ethereum, but cheaper or something like that, right? So um, it hasn't been super exciting for me. Um, so when the Ordinals thing started happening, um, I started paying attention to it around, um, I don't know, a, a, a day or two days before the the ten thousand um, inscription. So you know that kind of that kind of time frame on it. Um, and and at first I was just sort of you know really interesting because I, I had Bitcoin devs and uh, friends and core devs and things, and some of them were like, oh, there's there's something interesting happening here, um, and you know, looking at how does this work without smart contracts? How does this, you know, what, what, what are the core differences um, with ordinals than NFTs uh, on Ethereum? And, and that, that difference, um, both what's capable, but also the restrictions on it, um, to me, that, that's what gives it a chance to be its own thing and not just a copy of what's happening someplace else. Um, very excited about the sort of potential for one of one artists to do uh, a completely all encompassed thing. That's just one, one piece. And here it is. And it stands on its own. I think that that's not something that works very well on Ethereum because it's part of all these other pieces, but uh, it would work very, very well on, you know, with ordinals with this. Um, and of course, you know, I think that there's no question that Bitcoin is going to be around, um, you know, a decade from now or 50 years from now. So if you're really kind of consciously thinking of what it, what is this thing that's going to be around forever, um, you know, that's that's more important in some cases, less important in other things. But again, that that's something that's that's unique here. That that's quite interesting. So um, I've I have not actually uh, inscribed any of my own original work. Um, I've done some test inscriptions just to sort of go through the process and see how it goes. I inscribed my punk just to sort of, you know, try it out. Um, and I've bought a whole bunch of, of ordinal work from other artists who have been exploring it in different cases. Uh, and I'm just watching uh, and kind of following along and sort of thinking through like what, what my project might be. Um, but also, you know, sort of closely watching what other people are doing and the platforms that are developing and how quick the tools are coming along and, you know, kind of talking to a lot of those people about, you know, what I would like, what, what they're doing, where those things intersect and all of that. Oh, fantastic. So, I mean, you, you have such a great wealth of experience, both from the art side and being in Bitcoin for so long and really, really curious to hear more about what you're hearing from other folks as they're looking into ordinals and, and you're helping them out with that. So thank you for the uh, background on your you know, your experience with ordinals and really looking forward to hearing more about what you have to say as we dive into it. Uh, last but not least, Rod, Rod Zane, uh, I, I'm going to keep trying, man. Um, I know you had this uh, first generative art project on ordinals. Have you continued to make art on ordinals? Um, are you still active there? Uh, and even if not, uh, you know, would just love to hear, uh, you know, your current involvement. Yeah, uh, yeah. I started through the the Discord. We have a small private Discord haven, uh, which is full of degens and people 
excited about technology side of everything. So we're all into Terraforms and that's where I sort of got into contact with ordinals. Uh, and it was really exciting and sort of got the same excitement as early days Eve, where nobody actually knew what they're doing, uh, but we're all just trying to figure it out and learning as we go. Uh, but especially since it was a different kind of way of putting your art on chain, uh, it's not like Ethereum is a full EVM and it's interactive and it can do stuff. While in here, it's basically just a flat file that you upload. Um, and my background as a generative artist, it was really interesting. Can we do something where I'm uploading a script? I don't know what the output will be. Uh, and I only know it once we minted it or inscribed it in this case. Uh, so that's where sort of my first series came from as sort of an experimentation of, can we get some data? Can we pull some external data uh, into a script and generate an output where no one knows what the output will be until it's inscribed on the chain already? Uh, yeah, so that was sort of my intro. And right now I'm basically just trying to keep up, uh, trying to see what's happening there. And I'm still working on my art in the background and it might go on Ardenals, it might go on ETH, I don't know yet, whatever fits the medium, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's definitely very interesting and very fun to to see how it's progressing right now and everybody's still figuring it out. What can we do? How far can we stretch it? Um, yeah, so that's sort of my involvement up to now. Perfect, perfect. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're still tinkering around with that. I'd love to hear what some of your experiments are. And so maybe we can go on to the, the next set of questions, which is really just trying to set the stage I think a lot of people in the audience are probably like me where we don't uh, fully, and sorry audience members who do know more than me, but I don't fully understand what some of the technical limitations are on ordinals and as a consequence of those, what that means for the art. So I, I have a, a higher level question, which is what's unique about having digital and or generative art on ordinals? And I would love for you all to answer that question keep, while kind of explaining why some of the technical constraints um, cause these you know, unique differences in ordinals as opposed to Ethereum, as, as Sean, you were mentioning there. Now, it's not just like copying it onto another chain and doing the same thing on Ethereum. Uh, proper, maybe you could go first. And you also mentioned something that certain types of art like photography are almost better uh, put on the Bitcoin blockchain. Uh, but Sorry if I misunderstood that. Would love to hear your thoughts on what's unique, what the technological drivers are causing these unique experiences, and and that photography piece, if it makes sense. Uh, yeah, I mean, at a high level, I, I think there are some misconceptions around Bitcoin at the moment. I mean, I've seen a lot of the uh, the ETH talking heads talking about how you know, oh, Bitcoin doesn't have a scripting language or it's impossible to do trustless trading on Bitcoin and things of that nature, which just like simply aren't true. Um, I mean, you could maybe make the case that the scripting language on Bitcoin is not as verbose and not as, I guess, maybe not as versatile, but there still is a scripting language. Um, also, like just for example, imagine today we launch all of our uh, collections that we've released so far on a new trustless marketplace. Uh, for Bitcoin using something called PSBTs. Um, but I mean, yeah, for, apart from that, when you look at something like an ERC-721, I actually, at least from like my perspective, ordinals seem far better suited for on-chain art than something like ERC-721. And 
that's just the nature of, you know, you're fully encapsulating everything you need within that ordo inscription to, you know, actually see the piece. So whether that be a generative art script, you have the entirety of the code running live in your browser inscribed in that ordinal. Uh, I mean, even from there, photography, you can fully, uh, obviously there's some, you know, ideas around, okay, so you want to keep it as small as possible. Um, and that kind of, there's like interesting work being done around, okay, so if I'm an artist, I typically have, you know, a 4K picture that's, you know, 10 plus megabytes, that's not really possible to do on ordinals, at least not at the moment. But there's interesting work being done around there. And in that sense, you can still inscribe like the full piece on chain, not just, you know, you're not just linking to IPFS or Weave or what have you. I mean, as, as a great example, uh, there's a project that inscribed like fully playable versions of Minecraft completely on chain. Um, I'm not huge into Minecraft personally, but just the idea that you literally have a playable game completely on chain with no outside dependencies is very, very interesting to me. Got it. No, I, I love all those examples you're giving here. And, and just like a quick follow-up question for you there. Um, like I, I get, it sounds like with an ERC-721, there is perhaps the temptation to not put everything on chain because you can point to an IPFS or some other external dependency. Like, is it theoretically, you know, is it still possible that you could have everything on chain with an ERC-721, but you, you know, a lot of folks choose not to because it's just easier? I mean, if you look at generative art, for example, um, if you're buying, like, I don't know, if you're minting an art block piece, yes, the script is on chain. However, it's not referencing any actual on chain, you know, p implementation of P5. I mean, I, I know that there have been some kind of uh, niche examples of people actually putting P a version of P5 on the ETH blockchain. Um, but in that sense, what you get with ordinals is, it's all there. Everything you need to run it is within the inscription itself. There's no, you know, you don't have to, it's not being cached and pulled from a server somewhere. It's not like you're straight up running this on-chain code and like live in your browser. So I, I think generative art is probably the best example of how it's like truly on-chain in that sense. And everything you need to actually recreate it is running live in your browser. And, and so in that sense, yeah, I mean, um, but yeah, I, I guess generative art in my mind is the best example of that. Got it, got it. Thanks for explaining. And want to throw the same question over to you, Sean. Uh, what is unique about having generative art or digital art on ordinals? And to the extent it makes sense to talk about the technical differences that drive that uniqueness. And, and you had mentioned how one of ones you feel like a little bit better on ordinals. So I'd love to hear you elaborate on that as well. Sure. Um, and, and just to kind of follow on to, to what Proper was saying, I think, I think that it's important when, when discussing all of these things um, that the, the concept of better uh, or worse is subjective. It depends, it depends really what you're optimizing for, right? Um, so one thing might be better for one person, but worse for somebody else. There's not really a, a, an objectively like here is the better thing. They're just, they're different. Um, they function differently. They do things differently. And so, um, you know, for some, per for some people having, you know, resources that they're pointing to elsewhere, uh, is important, right? So therefore being able to, to do IPSF or something like that is, is better. Uh, there are, there are some, some things that are on chain, uh, 
there's lots of things on chain, a huge, a huge fully on chain community on ETH. Um, a lot of that revolves around SVGs and and things like this, which again are potentially problematic for for various things. So so depending on what it is that you're that you think you're aiming for, um, you know, it could work or 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 not in different ways. So I mean, for me, uh, you know, as a photographer, I haven't I haven't started uh, inscribing my own work because of this file size limit, right? I can't put a high res photo um, up on an inscription the way that I can quickly uh, into an NFT um, today, right? Uh, that doesn't mean that there won't be a new tool released tomorrow that structures something differently and, and allows it, right? And so I think that's also a big, a big piece with with all of these conversations is that we're talking about NFTs, um, you know, five, six years on, um, of, of constant development, lots of people building things, all this sort of stuff, you know, ordinals are, are three months old at this point. Right. So, uh, we've gone from zero tools to, you know, two dozen tools or something, um, in that time. And people are building new stuff and you know, what's it going to look like six months from now, a year from now, there's going to be many more options, um, for, for people to do things differently. Um, one of the things that, that I, that I had mentioned before that you just brought on that I think is quite interesting is because with, on Ethereum with smart contracts, you have a very clearly designed or, or designated collection. Here's here are the pieces that are all on that same contract. Um, that's you know no real way to argue with that. But what we're starting to see with ordinals is more of a social construct of what a collection is. So somebody saying, "Okay, uh, here are the pieces that I minted," um, or somebody else saying, "Here are a bunch of pieces that I think are similar," um, and creating their own kind of index for what those might be. And some people are, of course, inscribing those, inscribing those indexes to try to uh, set that feeling in stone or something. But you can, you can in theory, have uh, a piece that belongs to several different collections on ordinals, which you couldn't on ETH because it would only be part of that one smart contract. But on ordinals, it could be a part of a part of many different things. So you could have it be part of a gallery collection. It could be a part of a different body of work that you're doing. You could have it in in different ways. And so I think that that is something that makes the individual piece uh, stand out on its own. It gives it it gives it some autonomy um, from a, a body of work that on Ethereum it doesn't have, um, which is sort of an interesting thing. Again, if you're a one of one artist and you're you're not creating a whole series of different things. You're just, I'm going to put all of this work into one thing and sort of see what comes out of it. Um, then the stage that's set with, with ordinals, uh, is perhaps a little bit, a little bit better for that, I think at the moment. Um, but again, that's just, you know, it's just an, an interpretation of how things are, are playing out at the minute. Um, there could be new tools, there could be new social constructs, there could be new, new, things that come along uh, a few months down the down the line that that changes that a bit but that's sort of what i'm seeing oh that's that's uh, super interesting your point around well all of it but uh certainly your point around how new collections are being defined differently because we can't really define it on chain so it becomes more of that social construct so yeah so i think that, that's a sorry just just to, uh, one, i think that the, the perfect example of that Sorry, I was swallowing a piece of toast there for a second. Um, the perfect example of that, I think, is um, the Bitcoin punks. Um, and, and this is because what, what is sort of called the, the Bitcoin punks right now is an arbitrary uh, set of criteria that 
a couple people decided on that said, okay, as long as it references this image, as long as it's whatever, we're going to count the first inscription of this down the line. But there's numerous cases of uh, that punk being inscribed on Bitcoin using a slightly different image file. I mean, they copied it from this website rather than that website or something else, right? So um, what's the first time that punk was on Bitcoin is is a debatable uh, question based on what it is that you consider that punk being on Bitcoin, right? Um, and so you you do have a situation where several different people have put together their own lists of what they think the first um, instance of that punk being on Bitcoin are, and they don't match up. Um, and so now more, more people are kind of looking at this. So I, I, it's definitely something uh, that there's still quite a bit of dust bouncing around, um, and it will be interesting to see how it settles. Yeah, and actually on that point, like where does one go to find out, like you know, what what is considered, you know, the the, the first uh, punk on Bitcoin, or even, I mean, e even a broader question of like, are there any analytics tools? Right, we, we can't exactly go to Article or or Coin Gecko to see some of this stuff. Uh, is there a place to go? And if any of you have an answer to that, I'd love to hear. Well, I mean, what I've seen is the loudest person is the is the one that's sort of getting that at the minute because there aren't those tools because there's aren't but people are doing you know their own their own little bits of, of searches and and you know banging banging of of related drums um but again i think that that's something that's going to change as we as we move forward with this and things and things get a little bit more developed but i don't think right now there's any one place that everyone agrees on is authoritative yeah i mean on that point so uh kind of the uh way I describe it is the ordinal space right now is kind of speedrunning the past two plus years of ETH, you know, NFT activity. Um, so, you know, day in and day out, you have new marketplaces popping up, you have new wallets popping up, uh, things like that. I mean, there's a great list of those resources on ordlist.org. Um, and it's also not, it's not fully, you know, doesn't have everything that I know is out there. Uh, but it's it, but in that sense, at least for me, that makes the space that much more interesting because you're kind of fleshing it out as you go, and so you really get to have a, you know, you as someone who's been early to ordinals get to have a say in like okay, kind of being like a shepherd of the community in that sense. Um, but yeah, that's ordlist.org if anybody wants to check it out. Ordlist like Craigslist. Ord <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose so. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. And a shout out to uh, Octo who said, who just uh, posted that said there's a, a poll request implementing this space for on-chain collection slash provenance. Um, so by someone named Casey. Anyways, that's in the comments. So, uh, you know, folks can check that out. Haven't verified anything there. So obviously be careful, but, but check that out. Uh, okay. So that, yeah, there's so many questions here, but I want to go on to... Uh, Rud Zane and ask you, you know, as a artist and particularly a generative artist, um, how are you thinking about the artistic constraints that are emerging on ordinals and, and how are you altering what you would do on Ethereum or Tezos to uh, try to create some art over there? Yeah, I think in some cases, currently ordinals combine sort of two strengths of both ETH and Tezos. I think we're really excited about the whole space and epics hash where we had a lot of artists who are less bound by technical constraints because they can pretty much make the art that they want to do 
uh, have dependencies, have other files in there and make quite a big artwork of, uh, yeah, maybe a couple of kilobytes uh, that can work, but it's on IPFS, so it's not on chain. Um, while on ETH, we have a lot of good on-chain work, but there's still a, an issue of file size. So you most of the on-chain stuff is either going into rendering SVGs or rendering small JavaScript, but there's still limitations in how far you can push it to, uh, in terms of file size. And I think Ordinals currently, they do have a lot more capabilities on bigger files, on storing bigger files. There's actually sort of a discount right now uh, where you're paying a lot less on putting data on chain on blockchain uh, on Bitcoin at the moment. Um, so I think the idea of having less constraints with file size is really interesting, uh, but it's still it's still very early. There are not really a lot of conventions. There are not a, a lot of standards yet. Uh, so I think that's that probably will develop and will give more opportunities to do more stuff with it, uh, be more interactive. But I think the the premise of having it being on chain with bigger file size creates a lot more opportunity for artists to be more creative and be less bound by yeah, just boring technical constraints. Um, yeah, but I think it's, yeah, we're still figuring it out and seeing how far can we push it. Um, yeah, and I think it's still very early for that and we're mostly just inscribing right now. Uh, but I think a lot, lot will happen there. Can you elaborate on that? When you say that there's bigger file sizes and, and maybe I misunderstood you, but I thought you said there's bigger file sizes on the Bitcoin blockchain compared to the Ethereum blockchain. And in some ways that makes it easier. Is that right? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not highly technical. So don't, don't quote me on it. Um, but there, yeah, it's, it's cheaper, especially cheaper to put large file sizes on chain. So if you want to do a transaction that would be the same size on ETH, you would have quite a lot of separate transactions to uh, compress the file. And you see a lot of people working around that. How can we compress parts? How can we do it in multiple transactions? And then only when we read the data, we're going to combine everything. Uh, but on, on Bitcoin, you actually have, I think, uh, but then again, don't quote me on that. Uh, I think a four megabyte total limit uh, for, the, for each block that gets mined. Uh, so that's theoretically right now, I think the limit of what you could mine and what you could put on the blockchain, which if you would do it on ETH, it would be, I think it would be quite a lot of capital to get there. That's super interesting. I didn't even fully realize that. Uh, proper, maybe I can ask you a follow-up question as uh, from, from the builder side. Like, why is it actually cheaper on the Bitcoin blockchain? Is it just because with Ethereum, you need to have a smart contract that runs all these computations and all of that costs a lot of gas, whereas it's just more straightforward on the Bitcoin blockchain, even though it's it's has that limit of four megabytes, which I, I guess it doesn't exist on Ethereum, but maybe capital-wise, it's too expensive to do something that big anyways on EE. Uh, well, I mean, generally speaking, that four megabyte number, uh, keep in mind that's the size of the entire, you know, max size of the entire Bitcoin block. So if you're inscribing something at four megabytes, you're going to be taking up the entire block. And uh, I mean, unless there's like a very good reason for doing so, odds are you don't really want to pay, you know, however many tens of thousands of dollars in fees upload it. So, I mean, uh, actually, the person you just referenced who replied to the uh, the space thread, Octo, he is part of the Imagine team. And uh, 
one of the big things that he focuses on is how do you optimize your code and how do you opt like what file types are best suited for work to be inscribed, um, things of that nature. And so if you look at, it kind of goes back to what I was saying about two, the past two plus years of ETH development in the same way that a lot of ETH work is, you know, focused on working within the constraints of the chain. Bitcoin is also, um, ordinals are also in a way the same idea, but kind of taken up a notch because you really have to be mindful about, you know, making the most out of as out of, out of as little as possible. And, um, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, no, thanks for explaining that, and and it does make sense. I'm my smooth brain is trying to understand these technical trade offs. Uh, so maybe I can ask the question slightly differently uh, for anyone who wants to answer proper Sean or right saying. If I am a generative artist and I want to make art on ordinals, what should I do differently? Like what, or, or a digital artist, doesn't have to be generative, but like how should I alter my approach when coming up against the constraints with ordinals as opposed to Ethereum? It kind of, uh, so I'll start. Um, it kind of depends. Uh, it depends on like what your current process is. I mean, if you look at P5, for example, if I recall correctly, P5, the total size of it is something like 400 kilobytes. Um, and so when it comes to optimizing and, you know, getting files as small as possible without, you know, uh, of negatively affecting the quality or, you know, certain artistic approaches and whatnot, uh, odds are you don't really want to upload an inscription that's 400 kilobytes at minimum. So as far as generative art goes, I mean, what we've been seeing is a lot of artists have been switching to vanilla JavaScripts. Um, artists that want to stick with P5, there's options around, you know, you can switch to Q5, which is a much, much, much minimized version of P5. Um, I think there's some things that won't, don't work with Q5, but that being, I think it's mostly around, you know, the 3D aspects of P5. And so you can do that. And from what I can tell, it's a very easy switchover and basically requires minimal rewriting of a script to switch over to Q5, and it actually gets it down to somewhere in the 40 kilobyte range, um, generally speaking, again. Uh, and also, thirdly, is you can also use, you know, pruned versions of P5, so just getting rid of any of the functions that aren't used at all. And we've seen people able to get down, you know, something that would have been 400 kilobytes before down to somewhere in the realm of, you know, 10 to 20 kilobytes. Um, and, and to that extent as well, I mean, there are some artists that are doing, you know, scripts that are, you know, one to five kilobytes and really just, you know, what can you do within these super, super small scripts um, that are, you know, again, fully on chain, but as small as possible as well. Got it. Got it. No, that, that makes a ton of sense. And uh, that's good to know about the different versions of JavaScript. Uh, Sean or Red Zane, any other thoughts on how artists should consider altering their approach if they want to? Do something on ordinals um well i don't know uh, necessarily altering your approach um i think uh i think as an artist you should you know look at the tools that are around you and then come up with you know what what you want to do with that uh not not try to you know restrict your thing into I mean, I guess it's just sort of a perspective on it. Um, I think, I think if you have something that works really great on ETH and you're trying to 
um, figure out how to manipulate it so that it works on ordinals, you're probably doing the wrong thing. You should probably just stick with it on ETH, right? I mean, I think that the idea is, um, you know, it's a, it's a different thing. So think of it differently, not not try to how to compress it from one thing into the other. Um, I think I think that block size is is an interesting piece of it, right? Because with you know, if you if you think back to the history of of Ethereum being created because, uh, or you know, in part because it took so long for Bitcoin blocks to process that it wasn't it wasn't good for quick transactional things, right? So um, if you have to wait thirty minutes for enough approvals to to know whether a transaction went through, you're not gonna you're not gonna buy a cup of coffee with that, right? So those these are some of the early or you play video games or something, right? So so that function and that inherent difference of a much smaller block size that processes much faster versus a potentially larger block size that takes a longer time to hit um, is, is something that's, that's interesting and, and play withable. Uh, but yeah, there, there's a cost, there's a cost that comes with that. So I think um, that's, these are all, these are all sort of balanced trade-offs, right? Like what is it, what is it that you're trying to do and, and then which, which tool, which process is the best way for that to work out for you. Yeah, absolutely. No, and, and that makes sense. I, I, I totally get your point. And uh, just curious, Rudd saying, and if you don't have any, that's okay. Just curious if there's any learnings that you've had in your time now on ordinals that you feel like are worth sharing with any of the artists who are listening. Yeah, I feel that everything I learned is already like, five years ago, even though it was like a month ago. Uh, <clears throat> like we, right now we have the new marketplaces that are actually doing transactions in a fully transparent and unchained way. Uh, while I was doing it, I had Imagine helping me out because it was still basically Google Sheets where we managed everything in. People paid in ETH and it was still, that feels like a totally different era, even though it was quite short ago. Um, no, but in general, I would say don't just hop on just to do it as well, but think really think about what's the difference between different chains. Uh, I think there's really something interesting in saying that Bitcoin seems to be seen as sort of the chain for store of value. Uh, people say, yeah, it's sort of like the digital gold. Well, if you want to store your valuable art or you think it's going to be valuable over time, where do you want to store it? I think Bitcoin has quite a good position in that sense. Uh, so in general, I would just say for artists, think about what you want to do and where does it fit uh, and, and follow along. Um, yeah, but I don't feel like I have any up-to-date knowledge that's easy to implement right now because it's, yeah, I haven't been inscribing for the last couple of weeks, which feels like I'm old already. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, well, I, I, I'll just add to that. Yeah, that things are changing, changing super fast you know, it's all of this. I, th I think one, one quick analogy on this is like, if I'm a painter and I've been painting for years on, on canvas with oil paints and all of a sudden you hand me paper and watercolor, um, I'm, I don't just do the exact same thing in that, right? I'm going to have to learn a different process. I'm going to have to approach it differently. Um, my old art is not going to work in the same way in this different format, even though they're both paintings, right? And so I think that that's a, that's a, a safe way to think of this, I just made it up a second ago, so maybe I'll find a hole in it in, in a minute. <laughs> but um, you know, like uh, when you're thinking of how art is approaching these these blockchains and tools on it, um, they do things differently. Um, they function differently. It's inherently a different structure. So you're going to want to 
uh, you know, think of your art based on that format, not based on the other stuff you've done elsewhere. No, I think that's a great analogy and, and it, it makes perfect sense. And knowing that you're going to have to probably pick up different techniques and perhaps use different tools, uh, given the, the new, uh, canvas, so to speak. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that's a fantastic analogy and I appreciate you bringing that up as well. And I wanted to switch gears a tiny bit over to the different marketplaces that are out there. So for both the collectors and the uh, artists who are listening, if uh, w what are the main uh, primary launch sale platforms? So obviously there's the proper's imagine.art, which you all are working, you are working on. Um, what others are out there? And as you list them, maybe if they have certain themes, you know, like imagine the art is curated, are they like, non-curated uh, primary sale marketplaces like FX, FX hash style on Tezos. Uh, would just love to hear what's what's out there, or at least the, the ones that you feel comfortable saying, hey, you can check them out, they're legitimate. I, I think the two most well-known, at least for, you know, specifically for Ordinals, I think on the curated side is Imagine. I'm not personally familiar with other curated digital art platforms on, um, uh, for ordinals at the moment on the uncurated side you have generative.xyz um, so I mean for you know just for a quick analogy it's kind of like the art blocks versus fx hash approach um, there's also kind of smaller ones that aren't ordinals specific like uh, scarce.city who's also they've been around for a while as well uh, long before ordinals for that matter um, on the secondary side I think we're just starting to see really the first trustless marketplaces I mean, you have ordswap.io. I sent a link of the resources in the space thread if anybody wants to check that out. Um, but I mean, as I mentioned earlier today, we got all of our all of Imagine's collections up on gamma.io, which is a new completely trustless marketplace. Um, so yeah, just kind of kind of like what I said. It's definitely there's a lot of these platforms, at least on the marketplace side and whatnot, popping up day to day. Same goes to like wallets and things of that nature. But those are kind of the main ones I can think of off the top of my head. Awesome. Thank you. And and Sean, are there any others you can think of? And uh, maybe also you can talk about like what's your process for verifying any new ones are legitimate, you know, or safe? Sure. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that that's a piece of it is there, there's, um, there are marketplaces that are live that have announced, hey, we're an ordinal marketplace that's alive right now. Um, but then once you get into it, it's sort of they're still uh, doing things on ETH or or they're, um, you know, coming soon uh, for crucial features or, you know, so there, there's, um, you know, there's there's what's actually live and what's purported to be live. And those are not necessarily the same thing with it. Um, I think that uh, again, we're talking about three-month-old tech, um, you know, and, and platforms that were potentially launched, you know, days ago. So what verification methods you might have are, um, you know, I don't know that there's a there's a safe answer for that. I think it's sort of looking to see what kind of discussion is going along with it. Who are the people that are doing it? Have they been around? Do they have history, uh, you know, elsewhere? Like what is there a community around? You know, like what's all, all of the kind of sanity checks that you might do for, you know, a new, a new ETH drop or something, you're going to need to, you're going to need to do that same kind of thing. I think that that one thing that's, that's interesting with, 
uh, generative.xyz is that they're allowing you to, there's that they're, they're sort of generating up a, spinning up a, an ordinals wallet for you based on your MetaMask ETH wallet. So that is a, a nice um, simplification <laughs> um, to get into it really quickly for someone who's never, never done anything with ordinals before um, that I think is probably one of, one of the hurdles that a lot of, uh, a lot of people were, are facing when they're sort of thinking of checking out ordinals or what to do. Um, do I have the right Bitcoin wallet? Is it structured properly? What, how, how do I receive that? You know, all of those are, are kind of scary questions um, for ETH people who have never had to think about it before. Um, so I think, I think that's a, that's a nice, a nice way. Of course, it's custodial, uh, which is different, but then you have to send, you know, so there's all of these different things to, to consider with it. Um, uh, I've seen, so, I mean, I put together a little list. There's other people who have put together a little list. This, you know, org list has, has a list. I think, I think it's, it's a constantly evolving, um, six months from now, uh, it'll be a better time to talk about what the markets are right now. It's right now it's rough. Got it. Got it. Uh, and right saying as you, from the artist perspective, think about where you might want to launch, is there a short list of platforms where you feel comfortable recommending other artists to consider launching their projects on? Yeah, we might be in a bit of an echo chamber here, but I'm, I'm a big fan of Imagine, uh, just because I know the people behind it. I know that they they have a, a solid view on art um, and really want to bring something towards ordinals as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't have any experience with other parties, so I'm not really confident enough to say that those are good parties. Um but yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of Imagine and what they're doing and what they're trying to set up right now. Yeah, that's perfect. And look, I mean, I know that this is evolving really quickly, but as people who know nothing, like I'll, I'll again, reference myself here as someone who doesn't know too much about this space, just having some kind of guidance to say, okay, yeah, these are like the top two or three trusted platforms. And yeah, of course, I'll go on Ord list and we'll go look at everything else that's on there. But just uh, for someone who's busy and really quickly looking at stuff, wanting a safe option, uh, this is super, super helpful. One, one thing I'll, I'll say is that, that I, I still think that there's a huge, a huge amount of ordinal um, sales happening on ETH, right? Uh, Emblem Vault and, and these things, there's still a lot of people inscribing something on, on ordinals, putting it into a vault, and then doing all of the transacting back and forth with it on ETH. Uh, but again, I think that that is because people ha have marketplaces they trust. They, you know, the, those are things they understand at the minute, and that will that will change in the in the coming you know weeks and months as more people get comfortable and sort of start to feel a little bit more at home in this in this new world, right? Yeah, and and uh, on that note, uh, I, I guess just uh, maybe you could talk super quickly to folks who might not know, like. Is there a way to tell if a uh, something you're buying on, you know, Blur or uh, OpenSea or whatever, like your standard Ethereum marketplaces, is an ordinal that's been wrapped? Like, is there an easy way to tell that, or you kind of have to know what you're looking for first? Well, so there's there's one collection called Emblem Vault, um, and that is uh, like it's it's a whole system specifically for taking non ETH assets and 
sort of putting them into it's kind of like a wrapper right like um you're you're putting something into into this trusted vault um that's verifiable uh but you know there's a lot of scams with that too right there's people who sell empty vaults uh and trust that people won't look at it or whatever so i think there's a number of um very detailed how-to explainers um on on the emblem vault website uh you know of, of how to make sure that the thing that you're buying is is the thing it says it is um, and I think that, you know, going back to what we were talking about before with the collections, that's actually uh, a piece of this in general. And I think we saw this with with 12-fold, right, with the the thing that um, that Yuga Labs did, right, where someone kind of beat them to the punch. They had, they had leaked a little bit of what their artwork was going to look like. And then someone went and inscribed a whole bunch of things that looked like that, hoping that people would think it was the Yuga Labs thing, right? So um, this this verification of what is the actual thing um, is a little bit different. Um, and, and you're going to need to rely on more often than not the artist saying, here's the thing that I actually made. Right. Um, not just kind of browsing around and looking at something and going, Oh, I think that that's the thing. Um, and that's where trusted marketplaces that are verifying that this piece is, you know, from, from that artist, because that artist has claimed it themselves, something like that. I think that that's going to be a much more important, um, thing as as this develops now that okay this is awesome so let's just like let's say somebody who's listening to the spaces afterwards says you know what like i, I want to go check out some of these like ordinals marketplaces like what process would you recommend somebody take if they want to just go and buy a ordinal say like on the secondary marketplace you know would i go to ord swap and then try to find something and then hop in a discord just to verify that this is the real thing and not a fake. Like what would you recommend to somebody who just wants to get started and buy, buy something on ordinals? Uh, whoever wants to answer that. The, the only sort of side note I would like to throw in, uh, because I'm not really knowledgeable to give like a, a detailed answer to it, but I would recommend everybody to really view sort of like the, 2021 perspective where everybody was saying do your own research and it feels like on ETH it sort of has subsided because we have a lot of platforms that we can trust uh, but that would definitely be my main thing here is before you're doing anything try to sort of understand it try to dive deep enough uh, because you're early uh, and there are no real securities yet so before people drive into what's being said on Twitter spaces I think it's really important still to keep focused and, and think about what you're doing before throwing in money uh, because there's a lot of stuff popping up that might not be legit as well either right now. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent agree. And uh, so it's actually a great segue for this question because the question is basically how does one do research in this space to make sure that they're not getting scammed, you know, like, uh, and part of this was what are the trusted marketplaces? Sounds like you can kind of trust some, like the primary ones, like Imagine and, and Generative, but some of these secondary marketplaces, you should still be careful. So once you found a secondary marketplace, let's, let's use OrdSwap as an example, where would you go? Like, who would you talk to perhaps in a community or Discord or a friend to say, hey, I'm not, I'm not getting rugged, am I? Like, for example, for Generative Art, I would tell people go into Block Talk and, and ask the mod, what's going on and they'll be able to help you. Is there the equivalent of that in the ordinal space? There's lots of discords, but they're, they're fairly chaotic right now, honestly. Like there's, there's a lot of, 
a lot of stuff. And, and again, with any kind of early tech, you've got you've got scammers, you've got people rushing around, you've got bad actors, um, but you've also got really really great people doing lots of cool stuff. So um, there's not a I don't think that there's here if you follow these three steps, then you're then you're fine on ordinals yet, like there might be on ETH, just because of the you know the, the development that's happened with it. I think that the safest bet is. Yeah, if you know an artist that you've been following, you're you're familiar with them. You know that this is the artist that that they, they are claiming to be, and they're saying, "Here's my ordinals." <laughs> uh, that's probably the safest possible route to something. Um, I think just browsing on a marketplace. I mean, even even on on OpenSea, right? You can you can browse and uh, you know accidentally buy a, a scam collection, right? So I don't I don't even think that um, you know a hundred percent guaranteeing, you know, that, that a marketplace has anything. I mean, even, even with super rare and things, there's been things that, uh, you know, a curated artist has put up. Um, and then it's been found out that, you know, they grabbed it from a lesser known artist and hope nobody would, would figure it out. Right. So, I mean, there's always, there's always going to be, you know, some, some risk in involved with that way. So I think, I think trusting, trusting an artist that, you know, that, you know, their work, uh, and, and what they're doing, I think that that's the absolute safest route at this moment. Um, and, you know, depending on your, on your technical involvement, there's better or worse or worse options along, uh, as I mentioned, and I'm not connected to any of these. Uh, so I, this isn't an ad or anything, but it's super easy if you've only ever done ETH to go buy an ordinal on generative XYZ because they generate a wallet for you. Um, I'm not familiar with the buying process on, on Imagine. So maybe, maybe you guys are doing the same thing. I'm not, I'm not sure. I haven't done it. Um, but uh, that saves the step of having to spin up a Bitcoin wallet someplace else, which I know is a huge hurdle today for brand new people. Um, six months from now, that that may not be the hurdle that it is anymore. Yeah, I mean, from like a collector perspective um, and a platform perspective for that matter, I, I mean, that's kind of why I think that's kind of why we went with Gamma as like the initial secondary market partner for Imagine is a lot of what was out there before him is again i don't want this to come off as an ad or anything like definitely go out there and you know see all what's out there and do some research so on and so forth but as far as gamma goes it was the first time that it was a great mix of a a trustless marketplace and b it supports bitcoin native royalties for artists um, which is also very important to us um there's still a lot of work to be done um, on the marketplace front, I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, oh, Gamma is, you know, the one and only trustless marketplace that you should only use. I'm definitely not going to say that, but that's kind of what drove us there. Um, but yeah. Okay, awesome. And actually proper for uh, both Imagine and Gamma, do you all like use like a similar MetaMask type wallet? Uh, and if not, like what, what's the wallet setup process for folks? Uh, it is kind of funny. Uh, initially, if for anybody who was first, in, you know, got into Ornals, you know, two, three months ago, basically the only way to go about it was you had to download Sparrow Wallet, like a desktop wallet. You had to like configure it for Taproot support and stuff that like it's not, you know, <laughs> it's not hard to do per se, but from a, you know, a UI and UX experience, it definitely was not the most ideal for your average collector. Um, as of recently, there have been a number of, you know, more MetaMask-y type wallets popping up. So, I mean, you have Xverse, you have Hero Wallet, 
you know, they're just browser extensions that live in your um, in your browser, and you know they support you know holding inscriptions. Um, again, there's still I, I think from a you know fully featured and um, I guess ex- expansive stance for some of these wallets i still think that sparrow might be the best option personally um but in terms of you know just exploring the space you know maybe doing an initial buy things of that things like that i I think that a lot of these wallets popping up are super helpful and it's a lot more um i guess native for some people that you know haven't tried ordinals before anything and yeah i mean again if you look at um that tweet that I replied to the space thread with, you'll see it's the ordlist.org link and you can check out some of those other wallets. Got it, got it. And if I'm understanding you correctly, like some of these wallets are not self-custodial, but they're easier to spin up with a better UI, whereas like the Sparrow is self-custodial, which I've had the pleasure of setting up. It wasn't that bad to your point, but it was like, you know, a little bit foreign for sure. Yeah, correct. And I mean, uh, this might have changed, but last I looked around, some of these wallets, I mean, a lot of these, you know, browser extension wallets and whatnot, um, they don't support, like, actually inscribing work. It's mainly just for, like, holding inscriptions for the most part. Um, there's still definitely some work to be done around making the actual inscription process a lot easier. I mean, uh, I mean, at least originally, for the most part, it was you either had to run your own full Bitcoin node, which, you know, 99.99% of people at least in NFT collectors and artists don't particularly want to do. I know I don't run one, although Imagine runs a few for the inscription process. Um, so there's that. And then, uh, or you could use like a trusted middleman or like a vault type setup, which at the end of the day is, you know, not trustless and just not ideal from a usability standpoint either. So, I mean, definitely a lot of work to be done there as well. Got yeah. It, got it. Okay. And, and, I. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh so yeah. So I'll, I'll just say like, um, you know, I've been, I've been playing with this stuff, you know, kind of since the beginning in a lot of ways. I still don't feel comfortable moving ordinals around, right? So the the ordinals that I bought in the very 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 early days, or the ones I inscribed myself that I sent to Sparrow Wallet. They're still sitting there. Um, I haven't moved them. I know that some people have said like, oh, you know, it's now there's an easier way. Those. Are, it's still too iffy even for me to sort of feel comfortable doing those things around the ones that I've got online um, in, in custodial, um, you know, plug-in wallets, they're just sitting there, you know, <laughs> like, so I think that it's, um, it's still, it's still very early days in that, like, I have no, I have no qualms about sending ETH stuff all over the place. I don't even think about it. I probably am too reckless with that, right? But with uh, w- with the ordinals at this point, I'm still like, I'm not 100% sure I'm not going to lose this if I try to do anything with it. So I'm just going to leave it where it is now and, uh, you know, figure it out in, in a few months or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I think a great example of that was the Toefold auction. If, if you saw, they actually like withheld pieces after the auction because they said you have to have an address that has nothing else in it. And I think they withheld like nine pieces because people submitted addresses in the auction that had things in them, like had, you know, Bitcoin or whatever in them already. And it's just like to Sean's point about that, it's, you know, if you're you have to at least as it currently stands, there's kind of a trade off. And I mean, 
I don't think not, you know, the majority of people have any interest in learning things like coin control or sat control, I guess, and making sure you don't actually spend that sat that has something inscribed to it. Because next thing you know, you could be sending an inscription as part of just a normal Bitcoin transaction. And next thing you know, you don't have that inscription anymore. I think that this is actually like a really, really important piece of uh, sort of the culture difference here um, that I don't think is discussed too much with ETH. You know, we have we have our, our .eth addresses. We have here's our, my public wallet. You know, like here's my my vault. Like everybody can see my stuff. You know, it's very very transparent with that. I mean, of course, people could go through and try to have a secret wallet someplace or something else, right? But like you know, people have like here's my wallet. Here's all my stuff. I'm bragging about it um, with Bitcoin culturally. It's completely different than that, right? You do not have your main wallet that everybody knows. You have a brand new wallet for every single transaction you're doing, right? So um, it's it's a very, very, very different um, structure and and social usage on it. And I think that that's that piece is still something that people need to need to figure out how to wrap their heads around the fact that that an ordinal is not its own thing, but actually attached to a sat right like that's something that's uh doesn't make any sense if you've only ever experienced uh you know nfts on ethereum before right so i think that that's that's a lot of what we're talking about when we say like there are these you know deeply inherent structural differences in these two things um and so you need to you know get over that that little bit of learning curve um and and the new tools need to be developed to make that sort of learning process easier and smoother for people. And that's, that is why it's kind of, you know, rocky waters at the moment. It is just because it's, it's a, it's a new thing for people to wrap their heads around and, and uh, there's, there's friction for, to get through it. But I think that that will all smooth out in time. No, uh, thanks for pointing that out. Actually, I, I didn't realize that you could accidentally send one along with a Bitcoin transaction. So I think that just underscores the point to go slow, try to chat with folks who know more than you do before diving in, be patient with everything because you don't want to spend a bunch of money on something and accidentally send it away. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that, that that's some, you know, again, so new we're, we still, we're assuming like people know things and who knows what, who knows anything. I think that's actually like a, we maybe should have mentioned this in the very beginning, right? With Ethereum, NFTs are a separate token, right? There is a wallet, you have these tokens in there, whatever. But um, uh, inscriptions on Ordinal, the reason it's called an inscription is because it's it's like graffiti, right? Like it's really like uh, this this thing is being added to one of the, the fractional pieces of a Bitcoin, right? So so it, it's like if you had an artist, um, you know, draw something on a dollar bill, right? Now that dollar bill is, uh, you know, it's, a, its own piece of art in, in many ways, but uh, if you didn't know what it was and you just threw it in your wallet, you could accidentally spend it and somebody else might value that as only a dollar. So um, it's it's a very, very different way of, of handling those pieces in that way. Oh, man, I, I imagine there's going to be some like lost inscriptions out there someday. There, there, are, already yeah, are, there already which are. They were accidentally there's, there's sent. Things that have been have been lost. So, yeah, it'll be it'll be noteworthy when some of these higher higher ticket crazy ones someone accidentally dumps that but it'll happen awesome well no th th this is amazing i wanted to ask one more question from my end and then see if any audience members have any requests 
Uh, before doing that, super quick time check. Are you all able to, uh, can you stay until the 30 minute mark or do you have to leave early? Totally fine either way. Sean's okay. Red Zane's okay. Um, and Prophet's okay. Thanks. Thanks so much for your time. We really, really appreciate it. So I'll go ahead and ask my question. Before I do that, uh, anybody in the audience, if you have any questions for these folks, anything you've been wondering about ordinals, uh, please uh, request and we'll go ahead and ask. And while we're waiting for folks to request, my question is, you know, we've talked a couple times about the uh, Yuga Labs uh, 12-fold project. Uh, and uh, I'll go out on a limb and say, just based on Yuga Labs prominence, that's probably one of the the more prominent collections of pieces of art out there on uh, ordinals. Are there any other works of art that are sort of separating themselves from the pack in terms of prominence or people want them? Uh, I know we mentioned some of the, the crypto punks before, although I forget the difference between the ordinal punks and, and the other ones. But yeah, are there any other collections that you think are becoming more desirable, uh, becoming worth more or kind of... Uh, you know, having some kind of that early provenance of, of being there. Uh, of course, none of this is financial advice, but just curious with your own opinions, if there's anything like that. Um, I, I mean, in terms of early provenance and things like that, uh, I, I, something I wanted to mention earlier, but forgot to is I, I think it's important to keep in mind that ordinals are not the first quote unquote Bitcoin NFTs. Um, so, I mean, obviously that begs the question of, you know, why is there all this, why has there been all this hype around ordinals? I mean, if you look at um, fake rares and um, rare, pepe, rare, rare pepes and whatnot, I mean, they've been, granted, they sit on top of Counterparty, which is a protocol that itself sits on top of Bitcoin. Um, but they've had a flourishing community for like years now. And I think actually the first arguable ever nft was on namecoin which was a fork of bitcoin and so i mean just to that extent um you know why is there this hype around ordinals it's because they're the first ones you know actually on bitcoin um in like the truest sense of the word on um but that being said i mean I, I've been very surprised about how open so many artists have been about the idea of Bitcoin. I mean, if you look at like Tezos, for example, you saw a lot of artists were going to Tezos for that, you know, maybe it might be the environmental factor or, you know, what have you. But then when you actually get into the nit and gritty of it and kind of explaining like, here's what we're doing on Bitcoin, it, it's very, it's been very refreshing in a way that I would not have expected to see how many artists are actually interested in doing so just from a, you know, what it can offer their artistic vision for, you know, a project or, you know, what they can use, uh, what can, what they can do on Bitcoin and how they can explore that, things like that. I mean, I, I think it's going to take some time to see, um, Hey, here, like the grail collections. I mean, I, in, it's my hope along with the rest of the Imagine team that a lot of the projects that we're supporting, you know, have supported and will continue to export moving forward. Um, will end up becoming some of the grail collections on uh, on uh, ordinals, but apart from that, yeah, I, I think there's on like an ecosystem basis, it's gonna take some time, just because, like I said before, there's a lot of noise right now, and it, it's it's reality is, you know, I don't think that noise is gonna die down too soon, but you know, us at Imagine, we're doing our best to kind of, like I said before, be that signal. Yeah, I'll, I'll echo. Oh, thanks for that. I'll echo that. But I don't. Uh, uh, sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. No, I was gonna say. I was just gonna add one thing. Um, given that it's very hard to tease out what is a Grail collection, um, maybe if you don't think of any collections that you want to point out, 
maybe you can think of ones that are doing unique stuff that you just feel is different. Yeah, so I, I was just going to say that. Yeah, I, I also think it's too early to know what the what the what the Grail things is. There's there's of course the hype of the moment. I think the the D Gods uh, release um, of the the past couple of days I think is the most sort of high high ticket noteworthy thing um, that's sort of trading more actively and better than than the twelve fold one was. But again, these are these are you know very active ETH communities coming over and doing something. So it's not really like a you know, a, an ordinal or a Bitcoin native thing coming up out of it. And I think that, that, you know, once the dust settles on this, once we get a little bit further distance from it, I think the things that are going to rise to be the kind of grail pieces on, on ordinals are probably going to be ordinals native, right? They're going to be things that um, were created, created on ordinals could not have been someplace else. They're not just a, they're not just a copy mint of, of something that, that happened in another place. They're not just a, you know, an accessory collection to something that happens someplace else. It's going to be something that that stands on its own. Um, one, you know, one one piece that I'll I'll give a shout out to, um, just because I I really like the artist, and this is sort of an example that that uh, you know I was kind of getting at before. Um, and you know, I own some of these, so there's the disclaimer. Uh, there's an artist called called Crash Blossom who I found on Tezos. Um, quite a while ago. Um, I really liked the the generative pieces that they were doing on Tezos when they started doing things on ETH. Um, I, I bought some of those pieces. Um, actually, the background on my PFP right now is uh, one of one of Crash Blossom's projects called Burner. Um, and it uh, is a constantly evolving piece that um, reacts to um, things that are happening on the Ethereum blockchain. Um, they did a brand new collection on ordinals that's specifically tailored to react to um, meme pool activities and, and things that are happening on 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 Bitcoin, right? So it's 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 a very very Bitcoin native thing. Um, it's using the the artists, you know, ongoing sort of thematic process of having the work reflect things that are happening on the medium. Um, and so I was very comfortable buying that a piece from that collection because I knew it was coming from that. And so I, I love, I love the individual artists who are kind of playing with those things. And I'm like, I'm hoping to see that, that, you know, continue to gain popularity in that way. Oh, that's, that's fantastic. Um, we'll definitely want to check that art out. And I completely agree with you that, you know, I imagine the collections that are going to stand out really on ordinals, are the ones that are ordinals unique, you know, or, or utilizing the technology in a way such that it can't be replicated and or creating a, a new you know user experience right a new feeling that people can get when they see that art that is perhaps only possible on the bitcoin blockchain uh red zane I, I wanted to ask you if there are any uh collections other other than yours of course which is uh, an amazing one the ordinals inscriptions are there any other collections or perhaps artists that you've been impressed with so far yeah, I think for me in the beginning, I had a lot of fun following around with Bitcoin shrooms. <clears throat> that sort of felt like the first sort of full PFP project. The guy was really early, felt really natively Bitcoin. Wasn't like uh, another project on ETH already also inscribed on Bitcoin. But I sort of lost there because it got quite intense in the Discord. And I think they're still not released, even though I think like the inscriptions are like in the first thousands. Um, so that felt... And I think still feels like a very native Bitcoin project. Uh, 
But other than that, I think, yeah, we'll probably have to see. And I agree with Sean that it's probably going to be projects that we haven't seen yet and probably projects that are looking at how can we store art or how can we store stuff on, on Bitcoin in a way that we couldn't do on ETH or wouldn't want to do on ETH. I think those are probably going to be the projects that, that will stand out over time. But I think it's too early to really pick the winners yet. One thing I'll say that we've seen we've seen a few different times now, and, and I think that this when when people have when people don't have to do this anymore, I think that will be a big a big cultural moment that we'll recognize. Um, is people are releasing collections on ETH, selling them on ETH, and then asking you to burn the ETH one in order to get the inscribed ordinal. Right? Um, there's a whole bunch of different collections that are that are doing that just because that on ramp. And and things are easy for people who are already already from ETH, and so I think that 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 is happening so much says quite a bit about how developed things are on on the ordinal side. And when when nobody is even thinking about doing that anymore, I think that'll be a, a good signifier that um, ordinals have kind of come into their own enough that that people are just comfortable doing it. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense, and. Um, I, I look forward to that as well, because I think it'll be really cool to see when the floodgates open, what kind of innovation experimentation we have. And uh, Karmic Tom, I'm, I'm trying to get you up here. Um, not quite sure Hi. what's happening with the spaces. So um, hopefully we can get you up here or, or perhaps you can try to request again. And uh, as we're trying to get Karmic Tom up here for a question, just just a related question. I mean... Don, you mentioned uh, Crash Blossom as an artist that you've seen uh, really focused on ordinals. Um, are there any other artists that you all, proper Red Sane, Sean, would like to call out as folks who seem to be almost ordinals native? And I know it sounds like a silly question, but I've observed that the way we think about things are like, oh, this is an artist that mostly releases on Ethereum or Tezos or whatever. I, I know it's arbitrary, but it is a little bit of how people think and uh as you mentioned earlier, Sean, this is a new type of canvas. So are there any other artists that you think are, are worth following specifically to see their ordinals work that might be coming out? Um, I, I think that, you know, we, we probably couldn't talk about that without mentioning Taproot Wizards, right? Um, although I don't necessarily think that uh, Taproot Wizards is art that could only exist on Bitcoin. Um, it's just it's just Bitcoin native art. Uh, but um, I think that that's probably a really good example of art that didn't exist anyplace else, artists that weren't doing anything else that, you know, really kind of uh, came out of nowhere on Bitcoin because they were Bitcoin devs, right? So they were sort of people who weren't really interested in ever doing anything on, on Ethereum um, and because of this new platform decided to, to do stuff. So um, I think that we're going to see more of that kind of thing. Um, but I think that they're a really good example of a community and and um, just a, a group of, of people that have kind of come together and, and built something up from from scratch on on Bitcoin, on ordinals um, that wasn't wasn't from something else. Uh, I think uh, I mean, I, I haven't I haven't browsed through Imagine. I'm excited to, to get off of this space and go see stuff there. But I think that if you if you look through um, sort of some of the most popular things on generative XYZ, there's there's a handful of artists there who are doing um, very cool things that haven't been done elsewhere. I think that um, I, I can't divulge anything, but there's a couple different artists that I've been speaking to who are kind of working on projects that uh, I think are going to be very cool and very Bitcoin native. Um, 
and those things are going to be uh, coming coming forward in the next uh you know within the next month or so i i imagine um so uh, again there's only been a few months for people to even start thinking about what to do so as as those initial ideas start to come to fruition i think we'll, we're going to see more and more of these um, in in the coming days and weeks yeah i, I mean if you look at the imagine website as sean was referencing before you will see a uh, a handful of artists that are you know they release projects on ETH or Tez or you know uh, any other number of chains I suppose. Um, I mean, as a good example, our most recent project that we released was a project called Orbinals by Half Runner, who I see is in the audience, um, and it was his Genesis project as an artist. And you know he is active in communities on ETH. Uh, he had you know had been in the process you know here and there of working on projects on ETH from what I understand, but it was really when Ordinals came along that he saw this, you know, this opportunity of, um, especially in relation to this project specifically, tying in that concept of time and having these generative pieces evolve over time with the chain itself. Um, he calls it the time chain, but not as common of a, uh, a term, I suppose. But um, yeah, it's pieces that evolve over time with like the Bitcoin time chain itself. And so, I mean, things like that are very, I mean, from a conceptual perspective, they, I mean, they look great, but from a conceptual perspective and really like leaning into, you know, nuances of the chain itself, things like that are, have been super interesting. And as Sean said, I'm sure there's a lot more to come. Yeah. So, so uh, Crash Blossom's piece, uh, collection that I, that I was speaking of, it's called Recall and um, it does exactly that. So if you load it up on your screen, it will constantly evolve. Uh, and then if you load it up on the same piece on another screen, it's going to be different because how long it's been processing, how long it's been reacting to what's going on in the meme pool on, on Bitcoin and everything uh, influences what it looks like at any given moment. So same piece of art loaded up on four different screens at different times are going to produce different results um, and, and how long they've been generating. Uh, so one that's been displayed for four days is going to have a lot more data from from what's going on on chain than one that you loaded up five minutes ago. Um, and I think that that's super exciting. That's super fascinating to see an artist really, really use the, you know, the blocks and the transactions on Bitcoin as part of their um, creative palette. I just, I love that. Um, and I think that that's the, the people who are kind of playing with those tools are going to do some some very exciting things, I think. Oh, this is amazing. A lot to go and, and learn about and check out. So, so thank you for that. And for everybody listening, I, as, as always, will compile everything that we've talked about here and release it as well as the podcast episode, which is going to be this recording. Uh, Toth, thanks for coming on stage. Sure thing. What's up, everybody? Thanks. Thanks for a great discussion, guys. Uh, real quick, uh, and I missed 20 minutes. So, so I might have missed something here that, that, uh, this question would pertain to, but um, I am highly skeptical, and I like like the the uh, the technical side of things is it sounds great to me. I, I love it. I love geeking out on this stuff, and I think we have a lot of people that do care about the technical components that make ordinals interesting. Um, but I'm highly skeptical that the average art collector, when you know, ten years from now, when we, when hopefully we have a lot of people onboarded into this space, is going to go for anything but aesthetics. So. 
I'm not necessarily hearing what the what, just from a purely aesthetic perspective. What is the upside of ordinals if there is one? Um, is there are there more tools? Are are there going to be more tools? Is it you know is it is it going to be superior for just creating artwork? You know because to me there's no real reason to to be on anything but Ethan Tez. So so just if anyone could talk to like yeah what is the aesthetic appeal and upside to ordinals maybe not even today but in the long run. I uh, would love to hear just that component of it. I mean, I, I think there's room for both, right? If, if you look at quote unquote grails on Ethereum, for example, you have Fidenza, which is a, you know, say what you want about the algorithm, but for, you know, from a collector standpoint, is very much a, you know, all about aesthetics. Um, same goes for Ringers to a varying extent. Um, I mean, but if you look at art that actually leans into the medium from a both conceptual and technical level, you have projects like Terraforms, you have pro- um, like Death Beast's work, for example. And so it, it really depends on the collector at the end of the day. Um, I, I would agree that it often is an aesthetics thing. Um, and at the end of the day, regardless of, you know, from a conceptual or technical perspective, how interesting a project is, you still have to, you know, like it, I suppose. Um, but I guess that's my roundabout way of saying I, I think there is room for both in the same way if you look at tezos or ethereum um things like that yeah as as an ex-art gallery owner i will say that there's there's no there's no single thing that is appealing to art collectors uh, art collectors respond to and are attracted to the things that they personally find interesting for one reason or another um you can walk through any museum uh, any art museum in the world and s- see plenty of pieces that are not necessarily visually interesting, but are conceptually interesting. Um, concept is, you know, a, a very strong piece and driving force in the art world. Um, so, you know, an individual collector is going to be more or less attracted to art purely on aesthetics, you know, more things that go behind it. Um, you know, I'm a photographer. I shoot primarily in black and white, I find myself drawn to generative art that's monotone right? you know, and monochromatic. Um, not necessarily, I don't have any objection to color, <laughs> uh, any of these things. I just, because of a medium I work in, um, I, I see connections uh, and, and I find this stuff, you know, uh, visually appealing in ways that another collector might think that was boring in one way. So I, I don't think that a chain dictates the aesthetics. Art, the artist dictates the aesthetics um, and the chains are all just tools. Um, and, and well, probably a piece that you missed thought was we were saying that, um, ordinals has different technical restrictions, uh, as well as different technical features that artists may or may not play with, uh, than, than ETH or Tezos or, uh, you know, so it, you know, anything, anything out there, it's, it's a very different, different thing. So it's a, you know, it's foil paints versus watercolors. It, it's, a, it's a different thing and different artists are going to approach it differently. But I think that the aesthetics are driven by the artist, not by, not by the chain. Yeah. And I think my, there might be a big difference right now where ETH is way more suitable for sort of computer art where you have stuff like Terraforms, things that are more interactive. Uh, and Bitcoin currently is more a standard file if, if you really want to put it completely unchained uh, but I think there's also the question of storage where do you want your art to to live in 10 years I think there's definitely uh, cases for Bitcoin cases for ETH um, and I think a lot of things are 
gonna change. So I think there's a lot of overlap between both. And I think a lot of art could live on either chain, uh, but I think there's a different culture on both. I think there could be a different story about where do you wanna store it over the long term. So I think there are definitely cases on, and over a while, I think those cases might become more clear or they might converge more uh, on why you wanna do it X or Y. Yeah, and I, I appreciate that. Those are great answers. And and I yeah, I think the the biggest, you know, my perspective on this was looking at mass adoption. And Terraforms is the perfect example, I think, because it's yeah, I mean, you're gonna find a couple thousand people that are all about Terraforms and they're gonna be really successful. But I think the 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 caution I would I would give is that ordinals is probably gonna be more niche than wide market, which is to my point. And, you know, I would just I would just caution against just completely accumulating a bunch of ordinals is really kind of the point I was making. It's it's you know it's it's probably gonna have a hard time being a mass adoption type gonna, of concept jump compared in. to other chains. Yeah, I'm gonna disagree yeah. with you on that. Um, ordinals is three months old. You know, I mean, there's no there's no way to speculate how much adoption it's gonna have or not have. You're 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 trying to compare something that has five years of building and and everything around it versus something that's been around for a few months they're not they're not the same on that um it's a new technology it's a new process new people are going to do new things with it there's literally no way to speculate uh what the adoption on it will be going forward um i don't think it's i don't think it's okay to tell people what they should or shouldn't buy um people people can you know find different things interesting and they should be allowed to do that in whatever way they want um but there's no way to say that something that's only three months old isn't going to work because it doesn't have the same adoption as something that's been around for five years. They're, they're completely different things. Uh, yeah, yeah and I, I, mean, I will say also, uh, like for artists and collectors nowadays, I don't necessarily knock anybody for not wanting to explore ordinals at the moment. I mean, as we've been saying on this entire call, it's, it's, very, it's definitely a fast-moving corner of the space. But also, it's not as fully fleshed out in, in the way that other chains have, you know, made the norm so far. Um, so, and so, like I was saying, platforms popping up, marketplaces, wallets, so on and so forth. So I don't necessarily knock anybody that, you know, wants to wait a bit and see. But I, I think I would lean toward what Sean said in that, yeah, I mean, it's it's very new. And I think that there's a lot of value in exploring what we can do in terms of art or, you know, the technical side of things or the cultural side of things and just seeing how those all mesh together. Um, but yeah, much like what we've been saying for a lot of this call, it's kind of a, I guess, a wait and see. Yeah, I make plenty of bad buying decisions. So I'm not saying that people should go buy things, but I'm, I'm saying that uh, you, can't, you can't speculate on what adoption will be in the future based on, on something that's only, that's only, you know, in some cases, weeks old. Um, it's a it's a whole new thing. So, you know, what will happen will yeah, it, remain it, to be seen. Yeah, and and and, and not trying to tell anyone to do anything, uh, but but like I I think that yeah, I mean the fact that it's you know well behind the curve is a factor, but I think the the, the other factor that that's that that makes it difficult is that the price point. If you look at you know Ethereum art three months into that experiment, what are we talking like? thousand times cheaper a hundred times cheaper at least like like I, i'd have to you know kind of look like you, you could have gotten a a punk for a couple dollars so i'm just saying you know you can get it you can get it's, it's, for it, a couple dollars i mean literally you can you can go you can go on right now and you can get an, an ordinals for like point zero 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 zero, you know bitcoin you can get something for five bucks you can there, there's no 
you know, there, there's high profile things which are expensive, just like there were high profile things there before. I don't, I don't think it's behind the curve. It's just, it's a new thing. Um, it's being developed. You know, Tezos isn't behind the curve. You know, all of these things, they, they pop up, stuff gets built on them. There's a range of things. Um, you know, high profile things get a lot of attention, but that's not the only stuff. There's, there's plenty of super, super cheap things that you can just play around with and do just like there was on every other chain. Yeah, and I, I'm actually glad you you asked this question, Toth. So thank you, and I'm appreciative of your responses, uh, proper and Sean, because and Rex saying because this is exactly why I wanted to have this conversation is because you know in my mind when there's something new, if there's going to be value behind it, it, it's driven by innovation, right? It's not pure speculation. I don't think it's a like mistake or just a, a crowd social phenomenon that crypto punks are worth what they are and you can go down the list, autoglyphs, et cetera, et cetera. I think there are real innovations that pop up. And every time you have a new technology, you have the opportunity for that to emerge. 100% agree with Toth that initially this just seemed super hyped. It seemed super cash grabby. You know, some early ordinals were selling at like one Bitcoin or higher, which is just a crazy price. So if you have your investor hat on, it's just not smart to buy something new for a really, really high price, right? I mean, the price you pay is almost the most important thing of any investment you make, regardless of what it is. There's a great saying in the private equity world, there's no such thing as bad companies, only bad prices. So like something is worth something at, at a given price. Um, and I, what I would encourage anybody listening and anybody here to do is just to be curious, right? Go and find something that's unique and interesting that's happening in ordinals and then maybe consider that as an investment case. Uh, you know, you could try to like, I don't know how things will go with 12 fold and Yuga, but those are just like far, far more risky. And I think it's just more interesting if you can get curious and say, hey, let me let me find something that's new and unique that is happening in ordinals that can't happen anywhere else. Or maybe there's an ordinal native artist like some of the folks uh, that were mentioned that is, is really pushing the boundaries there. And then you can go and support them. And, it, you know, it's got to be like the early days, I imagine, of Tezos and FX Hash. And some of those things have gone up a lot in price, but nobody knew that ahead of time. And so I think just going and exploring and seeing what's out there is the best bet. And at some point, it'll be clear what, you know, when somebody hits on something innovative that's different, that really resonates. Maybe it's these Bitcoin mushrooms. Like, I don't know. Right. Or something like native like that. But um, I, I hear your point. There's tons of grifters out there. There's tons of scams. There's tons of overpriced stuff. So just be really careful. Take it slow. Be cautious. Find stuff you like. And as the adage, it goes right. Like only invest what you can afford to lose. Like truly do that this time <laughs> because there's there's you know who knows how much of this stuff is going to be around in a year. It's just way, way too early to say so. Um, you know, and, and, and with that, I think we could wrap it up. I mean, we're about five minutes over. So I, I just wanted to say thank you so much, uh, proper Sean, Reddick Sane, uh, and uh, everybody who participated, Toth. Uh, I'm sorry, Karmic Tom, that we couldn't get you up here. Sorry, Powell, that we couldn't get you up here. But we'll, uh, we'll, we'll let Elon Musk know to keep working on Twitter. And uh, you know, we'll have this out on the podcast. And so... Um, yeah, and, and uh, real quick, uh, proper and and Sean Reddick saying, if you have anywhere you'd like to send folks to to reach out to you, maybe imagine.art, art, um, or if there's any last words you want to say, we'll give you guys the floor. Um, yeah, I appreciate everybody listening in. It was a great conversation. Um, if you have any questions about ordinals or anything, feel free to reach out to me as well. Um, 
you can find our website at img.art or imagine.art. Either one will work. And yeah, thanks for taking the time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I don't have any any ordinal stuff to pimp. Um, you know, I'm here on Twitter. I talk about things here on Twitter. So that's a, a safe place to follow along and see what uh, what I find interesting or what I'm up to at any point. But uh, always appreciate the conversation. And thanks for thanks for including me in this one. Yeah, it was fun. And if you want to follow along, you can uh, follow my frog. I recently got a got a Pepe PFP. Uh, I'll see you there. And if you have any questions, my DMs are always open. Awesome, awesome. Well, well, thank you, everybody. Thank you for staying uh, a little bit longer. Really appreciate you all joining and sharing your knowledge. And uh, until next time, we'll, we'll see you, everybody listening. Thanks again. Thank you for tuning into Collector's Corner. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen. If you like this episode and want to help us out, please subscribe and leave us a review on your podcasting platform of choice like Apple Podcasts and Spotify and follow us on YouTube. Please also follow us on Twitter for announcements as we expand to other social and content platforms. Our Twitter handle is at collectors underscore XYZ. We'd also love to hear any feedback you have. So please comment or reach out. We're always striving to be more useful and get better so we can help you in your collecting journey. The Collector's Corner team and their guests are not registered investment advisors. All views expressed on this podcast are personal opinions and are not specific inducements to make particular investments or investment strategies and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. This show is solely for informational and entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, please consult a professional.